Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the By the Laces podcast. My name is Bilal Malik, and this is my co-host, Trenton Cito. Trenton, how are you? I am absolutely fantastic. As usual, we are into another week of football, and uh, yeah, that's all you can say about it. How are you, Bilal? I'm doing really well, Trenton. Um, like you said, another week of football. Moving into week four now. It's hard to believe that we're already four weeks into the season. It seems like it just started yesterday, but, but there's still plenty of time to go to see where this whole thing shapes out. All right. Well, let's uh, hop right into the news. First, we have a little bit of retirement news. Clay Matthews will no longer be terrorizing Bears quarterbacks in this league. He last played in 2019 and never officially retired before, but now during, interestingly enough, a promotional tour for Tide Detergent, he has said his playing days are over. He played 11 Mm -hmm. seasons, 10 of them for the Packers, and his last one was for his hometown, L.A. Rams. You think about it, Trenton? I thought he already retired. Based on how you said he last played in 2019. Yep. It's uh, you for you forget about some of these players sometimes, and it's like, oh, like I hadn't actually retired yet. So yeah, he's. Uh, I mean, we'll we'll always remember him for all of his acts against Bears quarterbacks, and um, also the hair. Forget those. I yeah, forget those. But uh, if you want to remember them, go ahead. <laughs> I will. Certainly try not to, but he's the son of the Browns linebacker Clay Matthews and the nephew of the offensive lineman Bruce Matthews, who happens to be a Hall of Famer. So who knows? Maybe we'll see another another Clay Matthews come into this league one day. Do you think he's a Hall of Famer? Mm, that's... That's the little. He was no doubt. He was no doubt a a top player, um, especially on the defensive side. But do you think the Hall of Fame is just something that's in his future? I'd say yes. I think it I'm would not... be difficult. I'm not saying yes in the first try. He might get there like ten years later, but I think at some point he probably gets in. Yeah. All right. That's true. All right. Well, enough for Clay Matthews, man. That kind of terrorized our minds too much. We've given him way too much of our attention. So we're going to be moving on to the news surrounding Hurricane Ian, which is currently, uh, if it hasn't already, will be making impact in the Tampa Bay area. And the Bucks are scheduled. Scheduled to play the Kansas City Chiefs this Sunday in prime time on Sunday Night Football. So, as a precaution, the Bucks have relocated their practices in, to the Miami Dolphins facility um, in anticipation of this storm. And it is still undecided yet if the game will happen in Tampa this week. Um, because of just the trajectory of where this storm is going and the damage it could cause 
and also the fact that we're still early in the week as of the recording of this podcast. So if the game cannot be played in Tampa, it will be moved to a neutral site, most likely in the Midwest, such as uh, Minneapolis. So just thoughts on the situation here, Trenton, and um, just whatever, what the Bucks need to deal with right now. And just for the people in the Tampa area, we're thinking about you. So, yeah, by all accounts, it's supposed to be one of the biggest hurricanes that will impact Florida recently. So, it's definitely a, a tough situation, and I hope everybody there stays safe. Um, and I mean, I can't imagine the Bucks keeping this game at home in Tampa Bay against the Chiefs. Pretty sure it's going to be moved somewhere. Um, and props to the Dolphins for letting the Bucks use their practice facility because, I mean, it's it's definitely difficult for the Bucks players and their families and the coaches and just everybody there. This situation, so definitely. Um, let's say the move the game gets moved to Minneapolis. Do you think it'd be one of those like COVID games where there were no fans in the stands and they're just playing a game in an empty stadium? No, I trying to sell tickets in the Minneapolis area to fill up seats. I think they'll try and fill up seats. I don't think it'll be empty. Um, I don't know. Maybe they'll even do something like, you know, the tickets, some of the ticket sales goes towards helping the rebuild. Hurricane relief. Yeah, yeah, and that, yeah. That, that definitely uh, would be something I would expect in some capacity. I mean, the NFL always steps up when it, these type of like natural disasters hit, but just right now you have to think about that. There's so many other things that are more pressing in that area compared to just a football game with with this hurricane coming. But uh, at the same time, the Bucks did have to take precautions of what they needed to do to uh, to help their team out. So we'll see what the situation brings. I mean, it's still developing rapidly. Um, so we'll see what happens on Sunday. Yep. Uh, tell me. Do you happen to remember a quarterback who had a very memorable safety? I I do. Um, I believe the guy currently works for ESPN. Yeah, his name is Dan Orlovsky, isn't he? Oh, I mean, he better not have Jared Allen coming running up to him right now. Yeah, well, recently he sent a tweet at which at the end he basically put in all caps freedom this is a very particular freedom not from a playing career or a prison sentence or anything like that no this is freedom from a very particular career moment that he now no longer has to shoulder the entire burden of well you want it's, to describe what the moment is? The moment is that he, at his own goal line, basically, took the snap, 
saw the pass rush coming in, backpedaled a little too he much. He meaning uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. He meaning Jimmy Garoppolo, indeed. Although Jimmy Garoppolo took about 50 less steps out the back of the end zone than Dan Orlando. That's what I was going to say. I'm like, describe the play again, and then we'll dive into a quick analysis. Yeah, so, I mean, unfortunate for Jimmy G. Fantastic for Dan Orlovsky. He's no longer alone. He's part of the, it's now a, a two-man brotherhood of... Dan, Dan Orlovsky's play, though, was literally, he he ran basically out the back of the end zone, and he kept running for, like, half the field. Jimmy G literally took, like, two steps out of the end zone and caused it to be a safety. So if you really go side by side, Dan Orlovsky's run out safety is still much more embarrassing and worse than Jimmy G's. But And Jimmy G got bailed out on that play because he, he threw a pick six, but he stepped down. So that caused him, caused the safety. So in theory, five less points were added, were, um, five more points could have been added to the scoreboard. But then again, you look at the final score of that game, which was 10 to 11, that safety caused, uh, was basically the difference maker. Yeah, which is, which is tough. I mean, but that's, you, you got to score as many points as you possibly can and not put yourself in a situation where a mistake like that loses the game for you but I that mean, wasn't it's always the only safety of the week though that's true that is true indeed would you like to would you like to describe the other safety well i'll just describe something here before i go on if you're gonna punt the ball in your own end zone make sure you don't have your own blocker right in front of you so um the Dolphins were punting against the Bills, and their punter, Thomas Morstead, literally punted the ball into, uh, I don't even know who the, his name is, but like into, into one of his own players, and it caused a safety to happen. And it's just like when you're all bunched up in the end zone right there, usually punters, I would say, stand 10, 15 yards back so that they have enough room to punt it. But uh, obviously, when you're backed up against the end zone, you don't have enough room. Otherwise, you pull a Dan Orlovsky or a Jimmy G. Um, and so that ball got blocked and caused a safety. Funny enough, though, this, this play that you would have thought is just an absolutely terrible play for the Dolphins may have actually won them the game against the Bills. And I say that because Thomas Morstead's safety punt was just an absolute rocket. So Buffalo took possession on their own 23-yard line, trailing 19-21 to with a minute 25 remaining. And pro football reference, as their win probability calculator saying that the Bills had about a 27% chance of victory in that situation. But if 
the punt had actually gone through cleanly, the Bills might have had better field or better win probability because they might have started closer at about their own 37-yard line, which would put their win probability at about 44%. So, I mean, maybe it actually worked out for them in the end. You never know. Sometimes the things that don't look well will add up, uh, add up to your benefit later on. And there was a particular coach on the Buffalo uh, coaching staff who had kind of a meltdown at the end of that game, considering how the Buffalo could not line the ball up, ball up properly and spike it to have a potential game-winning field goal of their own. So, yeah, it's quite a master class of what not to do if you want to get into that. It's, uh, I mean, it is a emotional game. And Sometimes I guess, too emotional. Yeah, I guess the, the best way to put it is it's not, it's not the first tablet to be broken in that line of work. <laughs> You know who sent a memo out about breaking tablets last week? Because no. apparently Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady just break too many tablets. Ah, I see. But uh, what's his name, the offense coordinator for the Bills? Ken Dorsey. Yes, Ken Dorsey. He. You have to watch the video if you haven't seen it, but like he literally took his helmet off. I mean, not helmet off, headphones off and started banging that on the desk and throwing his papers around. He went into a full meltdown, man. And I've never seen a coach do that or anyone do that. And he was caught right on camera, too. Yeah, somebody had the idea to put their hand over the camera, but Um, by then everything was already destroyed. Yeah, and they probably realized, wait, what is he doing? And then they're like, wait, this is on camera. We gotta, we gotta cover this up as soon as possible. Either that, or they were worried the camera was next. Yep. And then, and then the TV company would be like, yeah, you broke our camera. Anyway, that's what not to do. What, uh, what we will be doing though is not playing the Pro Bowl this year, Trenton, or next year. We're not playing the Pro Bowl. No not, more, no more Pro Bowl. No more, uh, gentle, cuddly teddy bear hug tackles. Or two hand touch with pads, as two, some people two, have called it. Two hand touch pads, or picking up Tyreek Hill and carrying him around. <laughs> of course. <laughs> what we will be doing though is playing flag football with the Manning brothers, or at least Peyton Manning. It's it's a really interesting idea because, I mean, the players don't really like the, the Pro Bowl game. But they and like the skills competitions. Yes, they do, and so do the fans. And it's been really popular ever since the NFL brought those back. So I was watching one from 2002 where just quarterbacks were just trying to launch the ball to see how far they can throw it. And it's like genuine competition between these guys. Yep. See how far they can throw a ball. Yeah. Um, the the weirdest one to me 
from those competitions was when they had like the golf carts and they have the targets like the cardboard mm -hmm. like bullseyes on them and then they're mm -hmm. driving them around because i was like it must be really weird to be an nfl quarterback and be used to throwing to a wide receiver that can adjust to wherever the football is going to go if you're a little bit off target and when you see them throw at these moving golf carts some of the throws are just so off target <laughs> that you're like yeah it's it's not a it's not a great measurement system mm -hmm. but it's better than the pro bowl and the Pro Bowl, which began in 1951 in Los Angeles, stayed there for about 21 seasons, then got shopped around from 1972 to 1980. And then, which probably you and I more associate it with, is its time in Hawaii from 1980 to 2009. And then it's been bounced around from Miami, Phoenix, Orlando, and Vegas. And this year's, or next year, his uh, skills competition will be taking place in Vegas, and it's just, it's no one wants to play it. Like, they'll go, they'll play it for a little bit, and then just for the fun of it. But it's more about just the experience of being with other players and having a good time. And these competitions, skills competitions, are just another form of, of, of to do it in a less harmful way. You see, there have been multiple instances in the past where a player will get hurt in the Pro Bowl. And they're out for a significant portion of time in a completely meaningless game. So it's just... Um, at one point, the Pro Bowl used to be after the, um, the Super Bowl. So the Super Bowl winning team could actually go play in the Pro Bowl if they wanted to. But... Um, Anyway, we'll see how this works out. We got the we got Peyton Manning involved coaching one of the flag football teams. It'll be interesting to see how hard these players go in playing a game of flag football. Because again, it's the same thing. So there's no hitting. Yep. Yeah, it'll be it'll be different, and well, sometimes different can be good. I mean, at this point, it would have hurt to not have tried something. Yep. So. All right. It's good. Moving All right. on to injuries. Injuries, yes. So one major football unrelated injury is Miles Garrett, who had yeah. a car crash while trying to swerve and avoid an animal on a, a wet road. He overcorrected, and his car flipped multiple times, which is never a good thing. But luckily, thankfully... Him and the female passenger in his vehicle were wearing seatbelts, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. So they suffered non-life-threatening injuries. Uh, him in particular had a shoulder sprain, a bicep strain, some lacerations, and his status is currently TBD for the Sunday game against the Atlanta Falcons. If but, I was to guess, he is not playing this week. Yeah, I mean, it's but likely. But that's also yeah. like, if that's the worst that he can be with, not to play a week after everything you just described, then he's a very, very lucky man. 
Yes, for sure. Uh, you could or you could have died. This yeah. Even worse. Yep, that's true. Uh, um, Sterling Shepard, wide receiver for the Giants. That uh, was brutal. Yeah. Usually, I mean, number one, uh, he tore his ACL, but this was not an injury in which another player collided with him, bent his knee the wrong way. He didn't go down and, you know, get caught up in the turf and twist it the wrong way. Um, this was a non-contact injury, and it was as simple as him jogging on the field, just not even not even sprinting or anything like that, just lightly jogging. And then he just pulls up, falls to the ground, clutching his knee in pain. And it's, I mean, it's not good. Not good to see. And as a, as a young player and a rising star for, for the Giants. Just Odell rough. also came out uh, against uh, the field, right? criticizing the field conditions in New York and saying that basically the whole turf needs to be replaced. Because, again, I don't even know how this happened, but it just did. And to tear your ACL, which basically means you're out for the season, it's a very painful and brutal experience to have. Yep. Um, And then... Besides that, we have two quarterbacks who are dealing with issues. Tua Tungavailoa briefly left the game with a lower back injury. Um, there's some, I guess, confusion as to whether he passed concussion protocol or if it was a concussion. Yeah. Uh, the NFL Player Association is concerned about that, but Tua has said it's I believe a... they launched an investigation into that to see like just to see what really happened make sure everything all the protocols were followed properly because you you can't have a player go back and if he's been concussed you just can't do that so yep so as it is he's uh still on track to play the thursday night game against the bengals mm-hmm. and finally we have max jones who is the Rising quarterback star for the Patriots suffered a severe high ankle sprain that reportedly would cause many players to have surgery on it. But at the moment, they're still trying to see how long he could be out. Um, And him and the Patriots have a little bit of a a disagreement, it seems, because the Patriots want him back as soon as possible. Uh, whereas more he's more hesitant and wants to be more um, safe, I guess. Patriots basically want him to be out four weeks at max, and Jones is comfortable waiting six to eight if if that's what he needs. So a little bit of a, a brewing situation there. So wow. we'll see. See we'll how see, that turns yeah, we'll out. We'll see. We'll see what his second opinion turns out and just how bad it really is. Cause number one thing is player safety. We can't rush players back from injuries before they're ready. It's just not right to them. And the team is not gaining anything from it either. You're not gaining anything from having a 
a player who's dealing through tremendous amounts of pain, uh, trying to lead your team. But they got Brian Hoyer, which is all right. It's not the best, but he's a capable guy who's been with the team for basically forever. He'll go to another team, then he'll come back to the Patriots and things like that. So uh, he's a capable guy. Uh, who happened to win his last start back in 2016 while he was a quarterback for the Bears. Um, so we'll see how this goes. I think Belichick can retool the team to be in a decent position by the time Mac Jones feels he's ready to come back. Uh, six weeks puts him probably around week 10. Eight weeks puts him probably around week 12. There's still plenty of season after that. We just got to see where the Patriots are at that point in time. Maybe they can have a, a, a Cooper Rush moment type of scenario. How just string together a few wins, keep that team going. And when their their leader comes back, they'll be in a good position to to uh, to make the playoffs if they're if possible. So we'll see. All right. Uh, I think we're on to power rankings, aren't we? Yeah, we're on power rankings. Uh, currently, we're recording the show a little earlier in the week than we usually do. So the QB rankings are not out, but the power rankings are. So let's uh, dive into those and see what we think, Trenton. Um, so pulling the power rankings up right now, the first team up is, I mean, it's not really a surprise considering how they've been playing, but number one is the Eagles. They've been up two spots from number three. Bills are down one spot from number one to two. Uh, Miami Dolphins have climbed up five spots to number three. Uh, previously eight. Green Bay Packers up one spot to four. Kansas City Chiefs down three spots to five. Rams stayed at six. Baltimore moved up three spots to seven. Tampa dropped four spots to number eight. Minnesota moved up two spots to nine. And the Bengals moved up two spots to ten. Wow. Where did this come from? They win their first game of the season, and they all of a sudden are a top ten team. Interesting. Yeah, I mean it's uh, I guess as a Super Bowl team, they're given the benefit of the doubt, perhaps. Maybe I mean, like we look at the Cowboys ranking though; they went from twenty-one to thirteen. Uh, Cooper Rush has really keep that team together. I mean, we're going, I know we were just talking about the Bengals, but like, I don't understand how they're ranked at number 10. So I'm not interested in putting too much stock into that right now. But look at the Cowboys. You and I were saying they're not going to win a single game while Dak is out, and they've won both games so far. And Dak is already progressing well in his recovery, that he might be back soon so Cowboys two and one who would have thought who would have thought um, but who would have thought that Cooper Rush is three and oh as a starting quarterback yeah it's definitely surprising me yeah didn't even know who this guy was until he started showing up last year 
The Chargers dropped seven, eight spots from number seven to number 15. That's a little surprising. And I know, obviously, Herbert has been basically banged up the whole time. But uh, that, that's, that's a main injury, though, like from that he's dealing with. And the, uh, I shared this with you. Like he was potentially going to get like some type of steroid shot to help manage the pain and it was the same doctor who did the Tarod Taylor one and ended up deflating his lung which eventually caused Herbert to step in and uh, take control of this team but losing 38-10 to 10 to the Jaguars something you wouldn't really expect from a team like the Chargers yeah and it's it's only going to get harder for them from here because not only is Justin Herbert injured, his blindside left tackle, Rashawn Slater, is now lost for the season with a torn bicep tendon, I believe. So not only is their quarterback hurting, he's going to be sort of paranoid about that left side of the line, that blind side mm-hmm. now because his star tackle is not there. Yeah, I mean, hopefully uh, things get better down for the Chargers. But speaking of their opponent, the Jaguars, they moved up 10 spots from number 28 to number 18. And I think they're showing what can happen when you have a capable head coach. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence right now is playing out of his mind and playing like Playing like what his uh his first round number one overall pick status should play like. Exactly. I mean, it just really showed how messed up that team was with Urban Meyer as their head coach, and again, how he didn't even last the entire season. Uh, one of the ones that's surprising me here, not his ranking, but their team record is there's one zero and three team which is the Raiders, sitting at number 21. Like, what's wrong with this team? Yeah, this is this is weird, because the Raiders are a team that have all the talent in the world. I mean, arguably, they could have they could have been the number one seed in the playoffs for for this year for the AFC West. And I mean, there's still time, and they could be, but an 0-3 start is not what they were looking for. Not what was expected when Josh McDaniels took over the head coach role. Not what was expected when they got Devontae Adams to pair him back with Derek Carr. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So those were supposed to. That was supposed to be like one of the missing links for that team is to bring Devontae, and they gave up so much to get him, and. Then- the history between him and Carr, it's like, what has happened? Yep, although to be fair as well, I mean, the Broncos and Russell Wilson also are not looking exactly like everybody thought yeah, they but would. They're, so. Yeah, but they're not 0-3. Surprisingly, they're 2-1, and which I have no idea how that's even possible. But, uh... Especially after the narrow 11-10 win that they just pulled off. <laughs> I think what Eli Manning said this yesterday, no, 
Well, yeah, right now it's Tuesday when we're recording this podcast. So let's just say it's yesterday. During the Bang podcast, I think they should have given like the $235 million to like the punter instead of giving to Russell. Because the amount of punts that happened in that game, it's like a Pat McAfee dream, which he was on the Manning broadcast uh, for a little portion yesterday. So, I mean, let's just put it this way for the Broncos. They scored 16 points in week one. They scored 16 points again in week two. And now they scored 11 points in week three. And they're still 2-1. and one. Yep. So, not a... And, of course, all these games are one-score games. Not what one would expect when you trade for Russell Wilson. When you trade for Russell Wilson, you think that's a missing piece. You're going to win a Super Bowl the next year. It's like, not with this team. Not right now. Yeah, maybe a couple of weeks down the road you might figure things out. But at this moment, you don't know anything. Anyway, we'll see where this goes and if they will still be riding along. And to close it off here, we got to check where the Bears are ranked. They moved up three spots to number 27, previously number 30. We'll get into the game in a little bit. Um, speaking of wild games, the Dolphins and the Bills game came down yeah. to the wire. We kind of mentioned this early on, but uh, just your thoughts on that whole situation. I mean, this game was what people thought would be a major game given that the Bills right now look unstoppable and the I mean, Dolphins. Is, how many yards did Josh Allen throw? Like 400 something? <laughs> exactly 400. He yeah. also attempted 63, 63 passes, which is... That's way too much, man. Absolutely wild, yeah. Um... And by comparison, Tua only attempted 18 passes for 186 yards. And in terms of running the football, I mean, Chase Edmonds had six carries. Raheem Mostert had eight carries. So, I mean, by comparison, when you look at the Bills and how much offense they generated compared to the Dolphins and how much offense they generated, it's it's not close at all. And yet... The Dolphins are still able to pull through just in all phases of the game. And that's yeah, and then they, and then they, part of the main reason why they won the game. And also just the, the fact that the Bills were terrible in time management at the end of the game, like they were, they just couldn't. So, um, yeah, was... they just ran out of time, literally. <laughs> was not great time management, and but it provided for a good, uh, good moment at the end with uh, the OC. It's true, and then uh, Tua gave Josh Allen a a big old hug. He's like, "All right, I know I beat you up, but you don't have to cry about it, man. Sometimes I have to win these games." Yeah, because I think up until this point, I don't think Tua had ever beaten the Bills. Yeah, that's I'm not sure, but or maybe in Miami or something. There's some stat about that out there. I'm not 100 percent sure. Don't quote me. But <laughs> it was just like it'd been a lopsided rivalry for a long time. So, yep, good, good on them. Bears, Texans, Trenton. 
Bears Texans, the return of Lovey Smith was not a triumphant return for him. But uh also Lovey Smith has like played the Bears a couple times since he's left. It's like it isn't that big of a return. But anyway, it's nice to see the the former Bears head coach every time. But as you were saying. Yeah, it was uh a closer game than I would have thought, honestly. Um, Davis Mills played okay, not great. One touchdown, two interceptions. But sometimes he was surprising. Yeah, and... he was. There were moments, man. I think there was like a fifty-yard play or something that just came out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean he's been successful, and they want to see what they have in him, and. I mean, I I don't really know if we know yet, but I guess one thing that's surprising to me that stood out is that the Texans only ran the ball four times. Rex Burkhead, three carries for nine yards. MJ Stewart, one carry for three yards. Did they really run the ball four times the whole game? Yes. Isn't that crazy? How many times did they throw it? 32. They very, very rarely ran it. Which is surprising I to me. Did not even notice that. I mean, for wait a minute. Us, for the no, 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 no. Wait. Yeah. Are you? No, no. That's sure you right. That right. Uh, it's weird now because Damian Pierce definitely ran it. They were definitely running it. Why is Damian Pierce not on NFL.com's stat sheet? That is the weirdest thing. Okay, never mind. Yeah, something like that did not sound right. Yeah. They were, they were running the ball. Maybe not that much, but... Um, I mean, Damian Pierce was almost borderline unstoppable. I mean... I think so unstoppable was, was on the So was Khalil like, Herbert, yeah. Exactly. You see Montgomery go down, and then you just literally put Herbert in there, like literally nothing happened. And uh, good for him, though. Herbert played really well, which I get that everyone is upset at Justin Fields for not playing well, not throwing the ball, but at the same time, Fields knows that. He said that in his post-game press conference that he played like trash and he needs to get better. Good for him for acknowledging that. Two, we won the game, so it's easier to, I keep saying this every time, I want to win the game, and I know you need the quarterback to perform well and and lead this team to where they need to go, which we will get there one day, but it is much easier to fix issues that you're dealing with when you're winning games. Imagine if this team was 0-3 right now. There'd be a whole panic in the city, but we have a strong defense, which we've always had, and right now we have an outstanding running game. Yeah. So I think mm-hmm. we keep building those up, and we let fields kind of fix himself, things can be going well. We just need to play complementary football, which is why football is the ultimate team sport, as everyone calls it. So, um, yep. he didn't play well at all, and he knows that, but we had Eddie Jackson coming with a pick, and we had Roquan coming with a pick to save the day. So, I'm not I'm not completely worried about Justin Fields. I think he'll be able to figure it out. 
and play well. And in the meantime, we have the we have the pieces around the team to to kind of pick up the slack right now. Anything else? Nope. I think that's no? it. Oh uh, yeah. Kind of took it. I mean, yeah, you gotta you need your quarterback to throw the ball more times in the game, but at the same time he there's just a bunch of issues going on. He did throw two interceptions. The guy gets sacked many times. And it's interesting though with the offensive line, right? You can't fully blame those guys because then the running backs are running for like two hundred yards. It's it's like how do we they might not be great in pass protection, but they're great in run blocking. So it's a very delicate balance here. Yep. But we'll see what they do against the Giants and uh if any indication was in the Monday night game against uh, Giants and Cowboys. I think the Bears will have a, a good chance to come over with another victory. And again, just win games and keep adjusting things as you need to. Um, if you were to go to the Bears' Twitter account, things looked a little odd recently. Yes. The Bears' Twitter account said hello. <laughs> <laughs> And that's Twitter it. account ever said hello? Like, is this like a new Mac Macintosh that just says hello when you powered on? No, but um, people were wondering if the Bears' Twitter was hacked because it was kind of a, a strange message, wouldn't you say? Oh yeah, I was wondering that. But there was a good explanation behind it. Hall of Famer Hall of Famer linebacker Dick Butkus did a little Twitter takeover for the Bears. And it was just a nice refreshing moment. If you if you if you like get what I mean. Yeah, it was uh Heartwarming. <laughs> yes. That's wholesome. the better way to put it. That's Heart, heartwarming it. and wholesome. Mm-hmm. So just posting pictures, videos. Good to have, especially in the Nagy era. I don't think many alumni were involved with the team. And Aberflus has really made it a focus to to uh, get these old timers, so to speak, involved with the team and tradition and history. Of the Chicago Bears, people need to know where where this team came from and what they what type of team this really is, which is built on the names of Dead Buckus, Walter Payton, Gale Sayers, Mike Singletary, all these people who have made a name for themselves in the course of the history of the NFL. They most of them have some connection to the to the Bears, so it's good to see. Yep, we got a couple injuries here. For the Bears this past week? Yeah, a little bit. Um, David Montgomery left the game with, uh, was it ankle and arm injuries? Or mainly ankle? That he's considering I think day-to-day. it was a fear that it was going to be um, a knee injury, but I think it's just an ankle. So we'll see yep. what actually happens with his uh, recovery. But thankfully, it isn't too serious. Yes, and the Bears do have plenty of plenty of depth on their 
wide or running back room. So uh, not too much of a, a loss. Meanwhile, wide receiver Byron Pringle was placed on IR after he exited with a calf injury. And uh, yeah, not a good start for Byron Pringle. He has to miss a minimum of four games now, so he won't be eligible to play until October 30th against the Cowboys in the away game at Dallas. So Bears are short. Another wide receiver. They're still missing Valus Jones as well. Haven't seen him make his... I think he might make an appearance this week. I I'm gonna I'm gonna say he's gonna show up this week. Certainly hope so. He proved to be an explosive weapon in the preseason, so it'll be mm-hmm. good to see him on the field. Maybe that's just the jump start the team needs. Yep. All right, uh, let's get to picks. Yeah. Last week was absolutely terrible, so let's not talk about that. Let's start <laughs> fresh with this new week. All right. Who's up first? We got the Dolphins and Bengals. I'm going to go with the Dolphins here. Uh, interesting. Uh, yeah, Dolphins. Uh, Dolphins. Vikings and Saints. Oh, this is tough, I'd say. Um, but how would I go Saints? Same here, Saints. Uh, Browns at Falcons. I'm going to take the Falcons. Falcons for me as well. Uh, Bills at Ravens. Uh, Bills. Bills for me as well. Commanders at Cowboys. Uh, <laughs> you know. You know. Gotta go Cowboys. Uh, Cowboys, yeah. Cowboys, Cowboys, Cowboys. Didn't, didn't Carson Wentz get sacked six times in the first half? Dude, I don't know. What um is going on with Carson Wentz? Um, yeah, that guy. He goes from team to team, and he doesn't. He can't like seem to find a place to stand or or play well. Um, but uh, was and he's not doing too well in 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 Washington right now. So even with Cooper Rush leading the charge, I'm taking. I would take the. Cowboys. Uh, we have the next up. We have the Seahawks at the Lions. I'm gonna um, take the Lions. Why not? Let's take the Lions too. Chargers and Texans. I'm, I'm uh, gonna take the Chargers. Chargers. Yeah, me too. Titans at Colts. Uh, this is interesting. Just the Titans. I'm yeah, not, I'm going to take the Colts, actually. I think Matt Ryan's unlocked something. Why not? Let's go Colts as well. Bears and Giants. I'm sure you're going to take the Bears, and so will I. Um, is there any doubt? Of course no. I'm the Bears. <laughs> Jaguars and Eagles. Oh, man. Um... I'm going to go something a little wild here. I'm going to go Jaguars. I'm going Eagles, man. I mean, it might not be a blowout like it might have been in the past, um, but I think the Eagles, who are 3-0, uh, have a good chance to be a 4-0. So we'll see where this goes. Jets at Steelers. So. Steelers. 
Steelers as well. I think uh, Zach Wilson might be making a comeback this week, but uh, really, that's not. That's, nah, I feel like I read somewhere that this is the timeline that he's might be coming back. At, but even if he isn't, or if he is, it makes no difference because the Steelers are just a better team. Uh, Cardinals and Panthers. Which is interesting. Cardinals. Cardinals for me too, but it's again the two like closely matched teams. I, I would say. Uh, Patriots at Packers. Uh, it pains me to do this, man, but I got to take the Packers because they Patriots don't have a quarterback. Same for me as well. Broncos, Raiders. I'm going to say the Raiders get their first win, win here. I'm thinking the Broncos. Let's, let's ride. Man. <laughs> Chiefs and Buccaneers. I'm going to go with the Chiefs. I'm taking the Bucks. All right. Uh, Rams at 49ers. I'm Ooh. taking the Rams. Ooh. I'm going to go 49ers for this one. It would be a nice surprise. A pleasant surprise if the 49ers win. I just don't know if they can. It's Especially based off of only scoring 10 points in a game that you lost to by one point because of a safety you mistakenly gave up. So... <laughs> There's a lot of work to do, man. And Jimmy G, I think I was, I don't know if I was hearing, I don't know what channel this was on, but this is essentially like Jimmy's preseason. Right? Yep. No preseason. They tried trading him. Then you know if he'd be a part of the team. And then he comes back. And there's a whole. Doesn't he's not going to be the starter? So it's a whole situation going. He needs a moment to get reacclimated to the to life as a starting quarterback. Yep. It's, All right. Yeah. So that that does it. So thank you for listening to the Vital Lessons podcast. We'll be back next week with another episode. We hope you have a great rest of your week, and don't forget to follow us at Bill Mallet fifteen Trenton underscore Cito, and. Uh, Please stay safe and enjoy another week in the NFL. Na 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 butt punch. <laughs>